Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by my friends over at ShopC60.com. If you haven't heard of Carbon 60 or otherwise called C60 before, it is a powerful Nobel Prize winning antioxidant that helps to optimize mitochondrial function, fights inflammation, and neutralizes toxic free radicals. I'm a huge fan of using C60 in conjunction with a healthy lifestyle to support your immune system, help your body detox, and increase energy and mental clarity. If you are over the age of 40 and you'd like to kick fatigue and brain fog to the curb this year, visit shopc60.com and use the coupon code JOCKERS for 15% off your first order and start taking back control over your health today. The products I use, I use their C60 in organic MCT coconut oil. They have it in various different flavors. They also have sugar-free gummies that are made with allulose and monk fruit. They also have carbon 60 and organic avocado and extra virgin olive oil. When it's combined with these fats, it absorbs more effectively. And carbon 60 is great as a natural energizing tool because it really helps your mitochondria optimize your energy production. Now, if you take it late at night, for some individuals, it may seem a little bit stimulating. So that's why we recommend taking it earlier in the day. And it will give you that great energy, that great, great mental clarity that you want all day long. It will help reduce the effects of oxidative stress and aging and really help you thrive. So again, guys, go to shopc60.com. Use the coupon code JOCKERS to save 15% off your first order and start taking back control of your health today. Welcome back to the podcast. Really great topic today. It's all about oral health. It's about what's going on in your mouth. And we're going to talk about why it's so important. In fact, we know that when there are infections or abnormal bacteria, a dysbiosis in your oral microbiome, it can drive up inflammation throughout your body. It can increase your risk of all-cause chronic disease. And so it's a really important topic. And so that's why I brought on Danny Granick, and he's the CEO and co-founder of Bristle Health, a company redefining oral health and care through the oral microbiome. You can check them out at bristlehealth.com. And Bristle is on a mission to help people improve their oral health, a critical but overlooked component of overall health connected to conditions, including diabetes, heart disease, and Alzheimer's. In 2021, they launched the Oral Health Test, the world's first and only at-home oral microbiome test to provide a detailed information about the microbes, the different fungi, the different bacteria in your mouth that are associated with a variety of oral health conditions. And based on your results, Bristle develops a tailored three-month treatment program, including personalized diet, oral care products, and hygiene recommendations to rebalance the oral microbiome. It's a really interesting test. I've had it done. My wife had it done as well. So we have our results. We talk a little bit about them in this interview. And just a little bit about Danny. He earned his 
bachelor's in biochemistry at the University of San Diego before moving on to a commercial career in genomics. During his time, he worked with companies and researchers leveraging sequencing technologies in areas like oncology, NIPT, and the gut microbiome. And then Danny started Bristle after realizing the same technology could be applied in the dental space to shift today's reactive standard of care towards something personalized and preventative. Again, you can check it out at Bristle Health. I think you guys are going to really love this interview and and just this topic in general. If you know anybody that's interested in oral health, maybe they've had root canals, maybe they have had cavities, uh, gum disease, gingivitis, definitely send them this podcast so that they can learn more. And if you wouldn't mind just taking a moment and leaving us a five-star review, your reviews help us reach more people and impact more lives. Thank you so much for doing that. And let's go into the show. Well, Danny, great to connect with you here. Really, really uh, excited about what you're doing with Bristle Health. Um, you know, as a natural health practitioner, I always talk about oral health. It's it's a big factor in, you know, really all chronic diseases. And so if somebody has really poor oral health, we know that their risk for chronic inflammatory conditions goes up. And so it's something we've got to address. But the actual measurement of it, you know, has obviously been not something that we've really had access to until you guys developed this. And so really excited about what you're doing and share more about, you know, the, the importance of the more oral microbiome for our audience here. Yeah. Um, so first of all, thanks for, for having us on. I, I totally agree. I think that from a healthcare standpoint, you know, oral health is this critical component of our overall health. And, and I think from a patient and consumer standpoint, it's something that we tend to overlook. A lot of the time it kind of takes a secondary place when it comes to other parts of our health. So to give a bit of background on Bristle, we we provide oral microbiome testing. And for the audience, the oral microbiome is the makeup of bacteria, fungi, and viruses. And specifically, we look at those microbes in the context of your mouth. Um, so we take a saliva sample and we identify and measure all of those different microbes. And when we think about oral health, we tend to just think about cavities and gum disease and potentially conditions like bad breath or oral thrush. Um, but we're finding more and more evidence that connects our oral health to our overall health. So there are links between the severity and the presence of conditions like gum disease and the manifestation of systemic diseases like Alzheimer's, cardiovascular disease, diabetes. And we're actually seeing a two-way street. So if you have very severe gum disease, along with a host of other risk factors, you may be at higher risk for uh, more difficult to manage diabetes. And if you have diabetes, you're actually at higher risk for getting oral disease. Mm, yeah, for sure. I know one marker that I look at on labs is high-sensitivity C-reactive protein. And so... I've seen with a lot of different clients that, you know, obviously we change their diet and lifestyle. We get them doing a lot of things to reduce inflammation. And when it stays elevated, one of the big things that I start thinking about are oral infections and what's happening in that oral microbiome, because we know that that can definitely drive up those types of uh, inflammatory biomarkers. And so, you know, it's definitely, again, like I said, something really important that we need to look at. And like you talked about, I mean, the, the link with chronic disease uh, there's a lot of a lot of research linking gingivitis, um, you know, disorders in the oral microbiome with all forms of, of chronic inflammatory conditions, and it's kind of similar with the gut microbiome, right? There's a lot of research on that, 
And so let's talk about some of the kind of similarities and differences between what's happening with the oral microbiome and the gut microbiome. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I think to your earlier point, you know, kind of a recurring theme that we find and I think is important to keep in mind is that the mouth really is this gateway to the body. So a lot of the things that are introduced and uh, for lack of a better word, are growing in your mouth and, and kind of being produced as a result of those pathogens can make their way to other parts of your body. And that's where we're finding a lot of those links. So when we think about the oral microbiome and the gut microbiome, um, a lot of the, the pathogenic bacteria that can cause conditions like gum disease can basically travel down your digestive tract into your gut microbiome and they can cause issues there as well. And there's actually some cases where commensal bacteria, so bacteria that are largely beneficial to oral health can actually become pathogenic in the context of the gut microbiome. So there is a very delicate balance between our oral and our gut health um, as well as the resulting conditions, you know, that stem from dysbiosis in the gut microbiome. So IBS, IBD, Crohn's disease. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, like I said, it's, it's definitely a big factor and, um, you know, normally we've got our stomach acid that should actually be killing anything that comes in from our mouth. But, uh, a lot of times people's stomach acid is lower, especially as they're aging. And so therefore, bacteria that are coming in from the mouth can get down lower into the gut and actually impact the gut microbiome as well. And there's, there's a communication between what's happening in the mouth and what's happening in the gut as well. Um, I, I think that's super important as well. And so let's talk about, you know, what, what you guys are learning, because obviously you've been studying and analyzing the oral microbiome and, uh, you know, people that listen to my podcast have heard about the gut microbiome and we've talked about different bacteria like H. pylori and we talk about parasites and, um, you know, we'll talk about histamine producing bacteria and things like that, but they really don't know some of the major players in the oral microbiome. So I'm interested in, in some of the, the, the main ones that, um, if people are looking at what's happening in their mouth that they should be aware of. Definitely. And, and I, to go back to the very beginning, I mean, I think that the gut microbiome has had this explosion in research and, and I think societal awareness over the last couple of years, but um, our knowledge of the oral microbiome actually stems back hundreds of years. It's just taken a really long time for it to kind of come to the forefront of science. There was a, a man named Antoine Van Leeuwenhoek, and I'm probably butchered the name, but he was basically the first microbiologist and um, he had been looking at different kinds of bacteria under, I'm using air quotes, a microscope, you know, hundreds of years ago. And, and one of the first samples that he looked at was actually a scraping off one of his teeth of the plaque that was growing there. And that's when he, um, he saw what he described as one of the first bacteria. Um, so the, the oral microbiome has played this like very fundamental foundational role in the progression of microbiology and our understanding of the microbiome. And I think unlike the gut microbiome, it, it kind of just got stuck. We, we had a very narrow view of the bacteria that were present in the oral microbiome and their role in oral health and disease. So traditionally, we've only looked at you know 12 or 13 different species that were causally related to um, periodontal disease. And obviously with advances in technology, we're able to look at the comprehensive oral microbiome. So when we think about the oral microbiome, it's you know over 700 bacterial species that have been associated with it. We have a whole host of fungi and viruses that we've really barely scratched the surface of understanding. 
Um, and it, when it comes to our test, we have the ability to detect all of these different microbes from a single sample, as well as make discoveries about new ones. And because we're looking at it through the context of clinical data, self-reported consumer data, um, dietary ha habits, lifestyle choices, specific oral care products that people use, we can start to make these connections between the impact that our choices have on our oral health. And we can also start to understand how different oral microbiome profiles play into systemic and overall health. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. And I think getting into some of the, the notorious kind of infamous players mm -hmm. in the oral microbiome, um, there are, you know, I think some of the, the worst actors tend to be the ones that are related to periodontal disease and then are also very closely linked to the manifestation of systemic disease as well. Uh, P. gingivalis is, is probably the most infamous species out there. It is one of the, the key drivers of periodontal disease, and it's also been linked to the progression and onset of Alzheimer's, um, as well as cardiovascular disease. And then we have a host of probably you know, based on our current knowledge, two or three other really, really kind of bad keystone pathogenic bacteria. Um, F. nucleotum is one, Tanarella forsythia is another um, that we know play a really large role in driving periodontal disease and then have somewhat of a cascade effect, right? Leading to di different systemic diseases and chronic systemic inflammation. Hmm, interesting. And also, you know, in the gut microbiome, one of the big you know, in a sense, the gut microbiome researchers have found that a greater amount of diversity, like a high diversity score, it's very beneficial overall for reducing all-cause chronic inflammation. But what I found out after I had my bristle test and you guys looked at my oral microbiome was my diversity was high in my mouth. And uh, the analyst that was going over it with me, she said, you know, that's actually not good in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting you know, it's still an area that we're exploring a lot. We, I totally agree. I mean, unlike the gut microbiome where higher diversity is linked to improved gut health, we, we tend to find a bit of a Goldilocks effect with the oral microbiome. So too high of diversity doesn't necessarily mean that you have poor oral health, but it is correlated mm -hmm. with worse outcomes. Mm -hmm. And, and we get into a lot of the relationships between different species that are present in your oral microbiome, their relative abundances. Um, obviously, too few bacteria can also be a really bad thing. Um, so we have cases of, of individuals that have, you know, less than 10 species that we've been able to detect and put that in context. You know, on average, we find somewhere between 70 and 100 different bacterial species per sample. So you know, we have these cases of ultra low diversity and in a lot of those cases, the oral microbiome is just completely dominated by a single pathogenic bacteria that's that's really wreaking havoc on somebody's oral health. Um, so as of now, based on our understanding, you know, there is kind of this, this sweet spot of oral microbiome diversity where you have a really good balance of commensal bacteria and there may be a couple pathogenic species in there but it's not enough to overpower at the community level um, the oral microbiome balance and really affect your oral health. Yeah, it's really interesting. Actually, I want to take a moment and share my bristle scores here for those that are watching on video here. 
so here was here are my my scores and just you know a little bit about my history is fortunately thank god never had a cavity um you know i brush floss i oil pull every single day and uh i did have braces for for several years when i was younger but uh, i don't know how much that impacts the oral microbiome or how that plays a role in it but um yeah every time i go into the dentist which is usually once a year get my teeth clean maybe once or twice a year um they always say oh my teeth look great so uh that's just my a little bit of my background and uh, yeah, we can go through some of these markers because I think this is really key so people can understand more about how bristle works and, and kind of the, the biomarkers you guys are looking at. So, you know, we've got commensals here and I'll let you, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. So on the left-hand side, we have basically all of your health-related biomarkers. We have commensals, which are largely going to be those beneficial bacteria contributing to good oral health, helping to maintain balance. Um, your diversity score we just touched on, but it is a relatively complex calculation, but essentially tells you, you know, how many different kinds, how many different species did we detect? What were their relative abundance? What is the spread across all of the different microbes in your oral microbiome? Nitrate reduction. Um, so that score actually measures the capacity of your oral microbiome to reduce nitrate into nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is a really important molecule for maintaining cardiovascular health, maintaining a good um, blood pressure status. And we find that people with low nitric or nitrate reduction scores in their oral microbiome have a lower capacity to perform that, mm. um, that transition from nitrate to nitric oxide. And I was low there. I had a 2.3 out of 10, which was marked as low. Exactly. And you'll see all of the specific bacteria that we've yep. detected. So the first ones we show you are the ones in the highest abundances um, for a given right. score. So you'll see two of the species there. And then we actually just added the, the different characteristics that you're seeing on the bottom. These are some of the, mm -hmm. the most important characteristics when it comes to intervening. So trying to either reduce the abundance of pathogenic bacteria or increase the abundance of commensals. And if we go up to one of the, the kind of disease-related scores, um, yeah, yeah. you'll start to see specific sensitivities. Yeah, so if yeah, you just right scroll all the yeah. way to the top. Yeah. So on the right-hand side, we have all the disease-related scores. Halitosis, um, commonly known as bad breath, and there's a lot of different varieties of bad breath. Obviously, you know, everybody at one point or another kind of wakes up with coffee breath, or you just ate garlic or an onion or something like that. And that's one kind of halitosis. Um, but then there's, you know, the more chronic version, which is really rooted in the oral microbiome and the bacteria growing there. And then we have the gum inflammation score, so score related to periodontal disease. And you'll see your score. Um, and you'll also see how you compared against two different sets of patient cohorts. So we performed a clinical research study with the University of Pacific Dental School, and we were obtaining samples of oral microbiome. Um, well, we were generating oral microbiome data from salivary samples of patients, and we were correlating that against the electronic dental and electronic health records. And that helped develop the algorithm and the biomarkers that you see here. But you can see that you know, we've normalized the scores, but the idea is that patients who are in that study who were diagnosed by a dentist as healthy tended to have a score of around 3.3, .3, and then patients who were diagnosed with periodontal disease were at 6.6. .6. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so with this one, I was high. I was at 8.2. So I exactly. have a, I have a higher propensity for gum inflammation. Fortunately, I do take good care of my oral health. And that may be a fact, big factor in me keeping it under control. Definitely. And then this and breaks see, down and shows you exactly yeah. the bacteria. So if you're not watching on video, if you're listening to the podcast, it actually, like I click on, a, on the link next to the gut gum inflammation. So they had me marked at 8.2 out of 10 with, uh, so that's high. So it's high score for, for gum inflammation. And then I can actually look at the different species and what the, what their individual scores are. So this one here. Porfer, I'm gonna. This is some some of these. That's okay. I butcher them. Porfermonis <laughs> endotalis, endodontalis, very high, nine point five score. Right, so I can actually see which bacteria in particular. If you're, you know, if you're if you're really interested in what's happening in the microbiome, you can obviously get to see what bacteria are high, um, and that helps you understand more about what's happening in your mouth. Exactly. And if you actually click on the bacteria, there usually will have some extra educational information. Mm-hmm. And under the characteristics, so we just added this feature, but there are certain characteristics to different microbes that make them more susceptible to certain interventions or can help guide at home or in clinic care. So if you click on uh, maybe Ruterin sensitive, that green circle next to the bacteria. Yeah. So you'll see. Uh, a description. It's a lot of content. We're going to make it a little bit easier to, to navigate. But if you click on Ruterin sensitive, so the second kind of pull down. So yeah. this bacteria is sensitive to uh, a type of bacteriosin, which is a, a protein that's produced by other kinds of bacteria, so commensal bacteria, which we had mm-hmm. talked about earlier. And certain kinds of these bacteriosins have really effective properties that can help reduce the abundance of the other pathogenic bacteria. So you can almost imagine a war going on in your oral microbiome. And if you can increase the abundance of commensal bacteria that produce these repairing bacteriosin, it's a really good way to reduce the abundance of porphyromonas endodentalis. And I've kind of butchered that one as well. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because this is really fascinating. And, you know, if I was a, especially if I was a dentist, I would really want to understand this better. If I was a dental hygienist, if I was working in that specific field, I would really want to understand what's happening with all these bacteria, the sensitivity, because we know antibiotics, or I'm sorry, probiotics themselves secrete antibiotic substances and they compete, right, for for space, for food, things like that, with other bacteria. And um, you know, Lactobacillus ruteri is has been pretty well researched to help improve the oral microbiome. So this is kind of showing, like, this particular bacteria, you know, that we've been talking about, the Porphyromonas endodentalis, is is sensitive to that to that Lactobacillus ruteri. If you were to take that, and they have oral probiotics now where you can just kind of open the capsule or just take a little powder and put it in your mouth and swish it around to help reduce that. Exactly. And the really exciting thing I think about the oral microbiome that's that's a little bit more difficult with the gut microbiome. You know, our mouths are just so accessible and and that provides this really unique opportunity to use a combination of physical intervention. So we think about things like brushing your teeth, oil pulling, flossing, tongue scraping, to physically remove these pathogenic bacteria and create the space that you need to introduce biologic or more therapeutic interventions like a probiotic. And we see a lot of success 
you know, it, it, neither one will necessarily be the most effective on its own, but the combination and being able to do both and really change the, the environment and our mouths has just had amazing results for our users. Yeah, really fascinating. And, and so on my disease score, my halitosis or bad breath was moderate. My gum inflammation was high, 8.2 out of 10. My tooth decay was zero out of 10. So I, 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 I cleared out really well with that. And then my gut inflammation was a five out of 10. So moderate. And for me, I've had a history of irritable bowel. When I get stressed, my gut is kind of like my weak, my weak link, right? Starts to, to break down a bit. So, so this makes a lot of sense. And there's a lot of links too, between gum and gut inflammation. Exactly. And a lot of links between gum inflammation and, and halitosis. So if you, you scroll mm -hmm. down under yeah. halitosis, we've actually yeah. been able to, um, we've been able to identify and develop six buckets of, of halitosis. Um, yeah. Here's our porphyromonas and dentalis, yeah. right? So that's not only gut gum inflammation, but also a marker for halitosis there too. Yeah. And you'll see in the section above. So we, we kind of characterize what's driving your halitosis. And in your case, I think I noticed that it was um, primarily driven. If you just scroll up a little bit, yeah. Um, primarily driven by so the the gum inflammatory bacteria, those periodontal disease causing mm. bacteria. But we've been able to also identify, you know, there's certain kinds of halitosis that are really driven by uh, fungi that grow on the surface of the tongue that are related to oral thrush. We've seen other kinds of, of halitosis that are driven by pathogenic bacteria that are, you know, located in your gut. We have seen some cases of H. pylori pop up. It's yeah. been really interesting for our team. And we're continuing to kind of go down this path of more precise characterization of different oral conditions because, you know, as we see here, periodontal disease or cavities, it's it's not a it's an umbrella term for the resulting symptom of what's actually a, a multifactorial disease. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and as you guys are getting more and more data, you're, you're continually updating this database. So like the more samples you get, because it's interesting, because you'll say like about 35.2% of Bristol users share my, my um, halitosis type, right? So I've got um, this elevation in the, my, my most prominent bacteria is this porphyr, porphyromonas endodentalis again, a marker for gum inflammation, as well as for halitosis when it's elevated. And so it'll actually compare that to the other, the other amount of users that have that score. So very interesting how you guys are able to, to kind of calculate all of this and kind of put all of this data together. I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of my favorite supplements. It's Paleo Valley's grass-fed organ complex. It's like a supercharged multivitamin that allows you to get a full spectrum of traditional superfoods loaded with nutrients into your body faster, easier, and without having to tolerate the taste. You see, grass-fed organ complex contains not one, but three organs. It contains heart, liver, and kidney, which are extremely rich in B vitamins, vitamin A, minerals, coenzyme Q10, key things like selenium. These nutrients support your energy, your mental clarity, your immune health, as well as your skin. And they're found in the most bioavailable form that our ancestors used to get. You see, whenever our ancestors would kill an animal, they would go right for the organ meat. So the most coveted parts, because that's really where the life force was 
they didn't understand nutrients, but today we know that's where the B vitamins, the CoQ10, the vitamin A, the key minerals are really concentrated in these organs as opposed to the muscle meats. And most of us are just not consuming organ meats on a regular basis, but now you can. You can get grass-fed organ complex, get these vital nutrients, they're freeze-dried to really preserve as much of the nutrients as possible. And you can take this again in, in, in replacement of some sort of a multivitamin that you may have been taking before. Guys, check it out. Go to paleovalley.com forward slash jockers and use the coupon code jockers at checkout to save 15% off today. And so kind of going back up here, I was talking about how my gut inflammation was a five out of 10. Let's take a look at that one. Major species there is the Campylobacter. Yeah, so C. Shoei, um, very common common bacteria that we detect that's related to gut inflammation. I, I believe it's implicated in the gut microbiome as well, probably detected in many of the tests that it's, are available on the market. Hmm. And yeah. you'll see, you know, certain oral bacteria, P. gingivalis, F. nucleatum, again, major, major players in, in periodontal disease as well. And the idea, really the idea behind bristle and, and kind of our, our thought or the principle that we operate under is this idea that good health starts with a healthy mouth, right? And I think that when we see the connections between species like P. gingivalis and its role in periodontal disease, and then its role in gut dysbiosis and colorectal cancer and Alzheimer's and cardiovascular disease, there, there really is this opportunity that we have to, for a lot of people, I think, go from zero to one in terms of our oral, oral health and have this major impact in our overall health as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then once you get all of this, they also give, set you up with a care plan here. And so it kind of says, all right, care plan, goals, reduce gut inflammation, bacteria, 14 weeks. And it says greater than 90% of the people who follow these recommendations for six months saw improvement in their oral microbiome. And so they have a yep. phase one reset, which is like two weeks. And they give me a routine to follow, brushing, flossing, a certain mouth rinse, tongue scraping, right? Trying to remove stuff and all that. Yeah. Why don't you jump in there? Yeah, yeah. So the the care plans are custom designed based on your results, and the idea we break each care plan down roughly into two phases. Especially if that primary goal is um, reducing one of those disease related scores. Obviously, for somebody with great scores all around, our our focus is to just maintain. Um, but we we tend to break things down into two phases. So the first phase is really focused on removing the pathogenic bacteria. And that goes back to what I was talking about as far as physical intervention, some biologic or therapeutic intervention, which we see with the mouth rinse. And then the second period and the majority of the time, you know, once we've really kind of gone through this scorched earth protocol is rebuilding your oral microbiome from the ground up and really trying to seed those beneficial bacteria and get you into a really balanced state. And then after that, care plan, we, we tend to provide everybody with kind of a maintenance protocol, right? So, so this is a, a very focused, you know, 14 weeks of, of resetting your oral microbiome. And then we have a whole set of recommendations on what to do after that. Yeah. So they, they give recommendations for the tongue cleaner, the mouth rinse, 
the probiotic, all that kind of stuff that you can just go ahead and, and get right there. So again, two phases. First phase they gave me was two weeks. That's the reset. And then phase two, you know, is is where they're in a sense replenishing, supporting my oral microbiome. So, you know, really interesting, you know, what you guys are doing here. I think it's really fascinating. Yeah, I think every dentist should be doing something along those lines. Let's let's talk about what's happening in the dental field. Obviously, there are holistic dentists. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, there's still a lot of conventional dentists that are still putting amalgam in people's mouths, still giving, you know, lots of root canals and all kinds of stuff like that. Then there are holistic dentists, which are moving away from toxic materials, fortunately, thank God. And they're also using things like ozone and laser and stuff like that, that, um, you know, help to can have a, a positive improvement on the oral microbiome, but they're usually not measuring what's happening there. Yeah, it's been it's been a really exciting evolution in the field to to watch, at least from our position. I think, you know, when we started the company three and a half years ago, it it didn't feel like every dentist that we spoke with had very little understanding of what the oral microbiome was. I think the the functional dentist community was a lot smaller than it is today. And just seeing the amount of education and awareness that has progressed over the years has been incredible. Um, but you know, to your point, like the large majority of dentists, the the pervasive standard of care that exists today is this very reactive, physical intervention focused kind of brute force mentality when it comes to oral health. And there's a whole host of kind of drivers behind it. I think, you know, the the amount of education around the oral microbiome in dental school for the a really long time had been minimal, right? Just the knowledge that there are bacteria in the mouths was basically as far as it went. And over time, we've seen the oral microbiome, the role that it plays in a lot of these newer interventions that are coming out. You mentioned ozone therapy becoming not only more of a standard of care, but I think more of a standard of education, right, for the providers that are entering the field. Another huge barrier is just this this unfortunate position that I think a lot of dentists and, and frankly, a lot of providers in the country are put in, which is, you know, we operate under a fee-for-service model and dentistry more than almost any other uh, health-related practice is overwhelmingly private practice. Um, we're seeing more of a consolidation of those services, but, you know, you have to keep in mind that the majority of dentists have to wear two hats. They're, they're a, a healthcare provider and they're a business owner. And when you have that duality and you're operating in a fee-for-service care model that unfortunately financially incentivizes more care and not necessarily better health, you're put in this position where it makes preventative care a lot more difficult to implement. And and again, I think the new generation of of dentists and, and frankly, all healthcare providers that are coming into the market, like are seeing that patients are more educated, they want preventive care. I think a lot more insurers are getting on the train of personalized care and, and kind of 360 degree health. So we're seeing a transition there, but it, it'll take time, right? Because we have this very old guard that still makes up a majority of, of providers today. That said, the functional dentist industry is growing and education around the oral microbiome is growing and we're seeing a lot more exciting therapies, a lot less kind of physical interventions and we're seeing better materials getting made to replace a lot of the toxic materials that you had mentioned that were being used in things like cavity fillings and implants and, and all of those 
Super important for sure. And so how does somebody get started with bristle? What do they, if they want to get this, this test done and, and really look at their oral microbiome, what, what are the steps they take? Yeah, so there's there's two routes. The easiest route is probably just going to our website, bristlehealth.com, and you can order a kit. We'll ship it to your house. All you do is provide a, sample, a saliva sample and you send it back to the lab and results are ready in about two weeks. We're also starting to work with functional dentists. So we're going to be launching a, a directory actually of mm-hmm. functional dentists that use bristle testing as part of the practice. So if you're looking for a functional dentist, if you want to double check, if your functional dentist uses oral microbiome testing, you can go to the directory. And if you find somebody in your area, then you can schedule an appointment and you can get a test from them as well. And we do one-on-one trainings with every dental practice that starts using bristle. We actually go through the first set of results that come through with somebody from our team. So you can rest assured that they will be able to interpret the results, they will be supportive, and they'll know um, kind of what to do with with that data because we've seen that become a huge barrier for a lot of our users. And I think broadly, you know, the functional health community kind of getting these results and not knowing how to bridge the gap between, okay, I have this data, like I have some knowledge, and how do I get this to my provider? How do I actually use this to influence the kind of care that I'm receiving? Yeah, it's really a new language, and and most practitioners are not familiar with understanding. They most most functional practitioners understand the oral microbiome is important. But they don't understand the clinical applications, right? And and what we're seeing on this bristle uh, test, and then actually putting that into action and, and giving people action steps, which makes it very helpful with what you guys are doing because you actually give the action steps right there. So I think that's great. I think if there's anybody that's in the dent- dental field should absolutely be signing up with Bristle and and understanding this. If you want to be on the cutting edge, um, you know, th- over the next five years, I really think this is going to take over in functional dentistry because it's really getting to the root cause. So you want to jump on now. And if you're a functional health practitioner or a health coach or something along those lines, you want to at least have some level of knowledge. I would get your own oral health tests done. So you have the level of knowledge of what's taking place there. So I would definitely recommend that. Obviously, anybody out there that's listening that is just interested in improving their health, definitely looking at your oral health, your oral microbiome is, is a key factor. So I think that's super important. And then last question is, what are some of the best strategies? I know you know I had strategies that I showed on my report. What have you guys found to be some of the most effective strategies for improving uh, somebody's oral microbiome? Electric toothbrushes are always a great call. We've, we've mm. seen noticeable significant differences in terms of oral microbiome profiles between people who use manual toothbrushes versus Mm. those who use electric and flossing and some of this may sound obvious but i think digging into the data makes it a bit more interesting and maybe motivates people who say that they floss every day and probably don't flossing one of the most impactful things that you can do Um, we saw significant differences between people who don't floss and people who do, but even, you know, between the frequency of flossing. So people who floss every day had uh, very significant differences between people who floss, you know, a couple times a week or once a week or, you know, maybe a few times a month. So we've seen that to be one of the best interventions. And I know that flossing can be a pain. So we have done some research in terms of, you know, strength floss versus the floss picks versus water flossers. And, Water flossers actually tend to be the most effective 
think that's for a variety of reasons. They're really easy to use, and there's a lot of interesting things that you can do with kind of the water basin in the back. So for people who aren't familiar, a water flosser is kind of like a, a power washer for your mouth. So it shoots a jet of water between your teeth and helps you floss uh, so you don't have to deal with the string or anything. And, you know, we've had people put uh, diluted hydrogen peroxide into that that water basin. And it's actually part of a lot of our care plans is that elimination phase, right? So hugely effective in, in eliminating those pathogenic bacteria and removing food from between your teeth. And then the rise of probiotics. I mean, I think that probiotics have been around for a really long time in terms of the gut microbiome and gut health. They're relatively new when it comes to oral health, but we've seen them be extremely effective, again, in combination with a lot of those other practices that I mentioned. And obviously, you know, making sure that you match the right probiotic with the right oral microbiome profile. And the last one, I think tongue scraping is is very effective. It's it's something that people don't pay a lot of attention to, even if they pay a lot of attention to oral hygiene. And we've seen a lot of um, candida fungi, a lot of pathogenic bacteria that grow in the grooves of your tongue and can lead to downstream issues. Mm. It's a reminder for me because I don't tongue scrape. So good reminder there as far as utilizing that. And then you mentioned probiotics, oral probiotics and matching the right probiotics. And we talked about lactobacillus ruteri. What are some of the other ones uh, that you see? I know that you have like a sensitivity score. So when you're looking at, that's the cool thing about Bristol Health is you guys have not only the bacteria, but also their sensitivity to different types of probiotics. What are some of the other strains of probiotics that have a beneficial effect on the oral microbiome? Yeah, so some of the most common ones, um, Streptococcus salivarius is one of the most well-characterized oral probiotic strains. Uh, there's two specific strains that were released. I think it's K12 and M18. That's produced by a company called Bliss. And let's see, Lactobacillus ruteri, um, Lactobacillus salivarius, and Lactobacillus plantarum are two of the other kind of more well-characterized strains. And in our results, we have a breakdown of all of the different strains that you need to hit based on your results. And then we uh, refer you to different companies that provide those probiotics. And we actually released a probiotic breath in ourselves that has kind of the best in class strains. We went through our oral microbiome data. We kind of understood the most common imbalances and designed an oral probiotic. We're going to release more over time and make them a lot more personalized, but this was a good start. And there's, you know, another handful of companies on the market today that are are producing oral probiotics, but it's still a relatively small industry. Yeah, for sure. Well, Danny, this has been a really insightful interview. Really appreciate your time and your expertise here. And uh, really excited to get this information out about the oral microbiome and its role in overall health and longevity. So, um, so thanks so much. Any last words of inspiration for our audience? I would just, you know, I think that oral health is one of those overlooked parts. Um, we don't think about it that much, but it is a huge component of our overall health. And I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. Just remember, good health starts with a healthy mouth. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks again, guys. Check them out, bristlehealth.com. And we'll see you guys on a future interview. Be blessed, everybody. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. 
your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.